Hey guys, welcome to the Coffee and Coaching Podcast. As ever, we hope you enjoy this episode and take a lot of value from it. And maybe we might be able to make you laugh a little bit too. We started this podcast to help empower and inspire you to take control and create the life that you want to lead. But remember that everything we speak about is just our opinion and shouldn't be taken as medical advice. If you enjoy the podcast, then it would mean the world to us if you could leave a review and share each episode on your social media. The more people that know about how sick this podcast is, the more people we can help. That's enough of that. Let's get into today's episode. Enjoy. Jack, you've got some big news today, haven't you? I have. It's a sad, sad day. Let me just have a moment of silence. <laughs> Our Virtuo coffee machine on Espresso Virtuo is no more. It turns on and then you press the button and it's supposed to like scan the coffee pod and tell you exactly what coffee it is that you're using and then stop pouring at whatever height that coffee pod is. So if you put an espresso one in, it fills an espresso glass. It's just decided to just not turn off at all until the water runs out. Um, really? so if you fill like a litre of water or two litres of water in the jug, it'll just keep pouring until it's all gone. Well, I'm actually intrigued as to how you found that out. Did you have a water accident? I've got this fantastic mug, um, which is like, you know, the Sports Direct mugs. It's like a big, it's, okay. a, it's a big mug. And I turn the coffee machine on and it normally fills it about halfway for like one of the, the 200 mil pods. And it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I pressed the button, I pressed it again and I pressed everything and nothing happens. I had to turn it off at the wall. Man. It's the fucking lucky you were there, like watching it. I know. Was it just being coffee all over the place? I've done that before. <laughs> um. So Jack's got a great new mug called, well, not called. It says "Surrounded by Idiots" on it. For anyone who can't see, I've got a incredible new mug. You can't really see it with the with the glare of the. I can see it. Yeah, must be just the glare on your screen. It's a nice little yeah. floating glass. Yeah. It's a floating glass. What 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 do you call these? What do you call it? It's basically a glass inside a glass. Double walled. Yeah. Double Rachel walled, yeah. That to me. Rachel's <laughs> off to the side going, double walled. <laughs> nah, it's fucking, but it makes me feel like my coffee's floating and it feels futuristic. And <laughs> does it, in your opinion, make the coffee taste better, Jeff? 100% makes the coffee taste better. That's a fact. Like, I... I, I disagree with you in a minute, but go on. Um, well, I'll tell you why um, I think that and why I'm right, because I always am. Um, okay. That's why I'm right. Um, <laughs> um, no, I got told when I was learning to be a chef, the last thing you do with food or drink is taste it, eat it. So how it looks, how it smells, how it's presented on whatever it is it's presented on, all adds to the enjoyment. So... Mm looks nice so if you put coffee in an ugly cup it doesn't taste as nice because you're visually unhappy about how it looks yeah i i agree but also this is something i put a poll up about this last the other day and my dad sent me this video like immediately within like 10 seconds and so i watched it and it's basically a story and this professor from university invited all his old students back for the like a reunion and 
they'd all gone off and, and gone on with their lives. Some of them had been hyper successful, some of them had been whatever, and some of them had done all right, some of them had, had done absolutely shit with their lives and had no money and made it and, and whatever. Um, and he basically put down a load of coffee in loads of different coffee cups, some were unbelievably expensive, exquisite pieces of china, some were like all right coffee cups, some were sound, some were okay, and some were like proper in the bin, like just that shouldn't even be a cup, sort of cups, and everyone picked the exquisite cups and the expensive cups, and then the professor asked everyone, why did you pick that cup? And it was a, it was, it was basically the. He then went on to explain that the whole story is a metaphor of like the actual coffee doesn't change, and so we was talking about how the cup is, uh, is is a metaphor in life for the money that we achieve or the the money that we earn, the status we achieve in society, and all of these things actually don't matter. That's just the thing which holds the life within us, which is the coffee. So the cup in itself doesn't actually change the taste of the coffee. It just makes you feel a little bit different about the coffee. But if you were to actually zone in on the coffee and bring yourself in, if you were to compare that to life, if you were to bring yourself into the present moment and actually just enjoy the coffee, you can enjoy the coffee. If it's a great coffee, it's a great coffee, regardless of whether it's in a Sports Direct mug or a £1,000 piece of china. Still the same coffee. I like it. I like it. Spiritual off. But also... But also, it's nice to have a nice mug. Do you know what I mean? It will enhance my whole coffee experience because I'm not just in it for the taste. <laughs> I'm in it for the habit of yeah. filling up my little tiny espresso cup and going and standing in the garden and looking at the sun come up. Yeah. I'm so happy I can do that now, you know, with, with the yard. Yeah, so happy. It's I like nice. being outside. It's not the same meditating inside. Do you meditate out there as well? Yeah, yeah. Stood up. Nice, nice. Um, it's a, it's it was hard at first. I kept like losing my balance. <laughs> it's just going wavy. <laughs> yeah, no sound now. Um, so today's episode, we're gonna talk about five habits of successful people and hopefully once you're aware of them you can adopt them and become hyper successful yourself one day jack what is point number one number one is what i call being annoyingly positive yes so there's a there's i mean this is branches off to a lot of things but just every given situation you just strive to find a positive for it and and it ties into the belief of like everything happens for a reason is what you were saying isn't it yeah it's like when you look at successful people the phrase I, li- I like this phrase and it's comes from Martini. um i think i think i've heard you say it, but i think you got it from Martini. everything happens for you not to you so successful people in obviously yeah it, Everyone in a good situation is going to be like, oh, yeah, this is boss, this is great. But, but, and as soon as shit starts to go bad, everyone's like, oh, I can't, get, can't catch a break. I've got no luck. The world's out to fucking get me. It's not. Bad things happen. And that's just the way life is. There's, not, there's nothing you can do to, to get away from that. 
there are going to be good times and there are going to be bad times, but successful people will always find the positive from a negative situation. They will always turn it into a situation where they can progress from that situation. So it's happening for them and not to them. They're not a victim of the situation that they get placed in by life. They will find some positive from that. So you, you, Rach, you mentioned something to Jack just before about, about something that happened and it was potentially to be perceived as negative, but then it caused you to go into that work and remark, didn't it, Jack? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I One of the ways you can actually apply this to your life for anyone who is wondering, well, how the fuck do I become annoyingly positive is, is an exercise taught by, to me anyway, by Dr. Demartini. Um, in finding something positive that you perceive as positive and looking for all the negatives in it and all the positives. So in any situation, whether it's positive or negative, finding both sides of it. You can do this in a relationship. You can do it in um, in life, in work, in, in, in anything that happens. And it gives you like a, almost like a neutral perspective so that you can be positive in negative situations where you don't let all of these negative emotions overwhelm you and, and then stop you from taking action. But also that you don't become so entrenched in the positive that you stop pushing forward, which is something that I've struggled with in the past. That I think a lot of us do. Things are going really well. Work's going really well. Diet's going really well. Training's going really well, whatever it is. And you're making progress every week, so you start taking your foot off the gas. Like, oh, I had a really good week last week, so I took my foot off the gas. Oh, I had a really good sleep last night, so I can stay up a little bit later tonight. Oh, I've been nailing my diet all week. I can get away with a little, I can get away with a little pizza this weekend. You take your foot off and buy reframing the positives as well as the negatives and looking at both sides, it just gives you this sort of nice, neutral feeling. Mm. Not like a negative where you're sort of taking mm. the joy out of things, but you can actually go from it all. You can be a lot more present in in in, in the situation and be like, okay, yeah. I think I I think that's a really good a good way to look at it. It's like you just creating a, a a place of neutrality. It's like this thing just happened and it just is. And now it's within my power to decide, am I going to wallow in sorrow about this potentially bad situation or am I just going to deal with it and and find something positive from it? Which I think we, point number one and point number two are sort of similar, aren't they, Jack? So point number two is reframing. Being a master reframer is effectively yeah. the same thing as what, as what we're talking about. It's like, can you do exactly what Jack's just done. Is there any, any negative situation that gets placed in front of you rather than having your life crumble in front of your eyes, sitting down and finding how you can turn that into a positive situation? So, like... I think, for me, what separates the two, so the first one, that annoyingly positive, the habit of being annoyingly, annoyingly positive, for me, anyway, in my own life, is that if me or Rachel or anyone around me is speaking negatively about something. And me and Rachel have, have, have done this together. We've created this habit in our relationship that if one of us is like spiraling, because you get sucked into being negative, don't you? We all mm. love moaning. We love having a gripe about something. We love telling like how shit the traffic is or how bad the weather is. So whatever it is, if we catch the other person doing it, we go, well, stop, say something positive. 
tell me mm. something good about it. Tell me, and, and that becomes the habit of being positive. Mm. And then with the reframing, being a habit, which we'll talk about in a second, is, mm. is that okay if it's a negative? How do I reframe it? Because it's mm-hmm. not a negative. Yeah. yeah. And that's Absolutely. the means with it. In my life, where the separation is between the two habits. I've seen you do that before to one of our friends. I won't say her name because she might be embarrassed. But she was just being very negative in the gym one time. And you just went, look, no, I haven't got time. I've got to go and just walked off. So, yeah, I'll be, ve- I'll be very abrupt with my own time. And this will come into a later point. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. That'll tie in nicely later. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, we'd done it. If you remember, same friend. We were talking about the place that she was working at at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was just spiralling. And, and in the session, I almost got a little bit aggressive over it because I was like, you're in this situation. You can't like venting about it now when you can't change it. It isn't going to help you or save you. So what can you do? Like, what can you, what does save you in this situation? Because yeah, it feels nice to... Like definitely talk about your problems. But if all that talk is is negative, if all that talk is anger and aggression, it doesn't save you. Mm. Can you talk about right? I'm not happy with the situation. What am I going to do to change it? Yeah. Rather than yeah, just yeah. being like, oh fuck, this is bad, this is bad, and just being angry and going, ah, oh, it's, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. No, it's your fault. Which is another point that we're going to come to in in a bit. <laughs> See how this all ties together. We're safe. It's like we planned this. <laughs> um, so reframing. Can you think of an example in your life, Jack, where you've been a master reframer? I can. Massively. In later on. For me, a lot of the time with reframing, it's after the fact. Because you you have to sort of be in a bit of shit and go, shit, this is a real low point. I've put myself in this low point. It's time to start reframing mm. to get myself out of that low point. And they're the biggest ones that stand out to me is when it is something big. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of the time you just reframe. Well, I know I just reframe quite automatically day to day, which keeps yeah. me sane and human. It's them mm. big losing your business. Okay, well, how's this as a benefit? Yeah. What am I now going to do? Like, am I going to sit and sulk about the world shutting down? And me losing all my business and saying that like the government's fucking Boris is an idiot and all this, or am I going to sit and go, okay, well, what does this mean? Yeah. How do I save people now? I've yeah. got it. So what do I do? Well, that's exactly the the scenario that I was thinking. I was like, lockdown nailed us in the face. Both of us, we were like one to one, pretty much only. I had like three online clients. <clears throat> Did you have online at the time? I had one. I have one guy who wasn't really online because he trained at the same gym as me so i'd just see him in the gym and we'd do sessions together and stuff anyway um so yeah. then when, when it happened it was like how does this work <laughs> yeah yeah but like that situation i don't know i know you said reframe is something you do after after the fact but in my head consciously at the time i was like Right, well, I wanted to do online. I want I I decided I'd started it in January and then lockdown happened and whatever, like February, whenever it was, March. And I was like, right, well, now I'm forced to focus online, so that's great. Let's attack it. Let's go. Yeah. Rather than being like, oh shit, like what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Like 
when am I going to be able to get back to one to one? I just forced, right? Well, I've been forced, my, my hand has been forced to apply every single ounce of my energy to online. Whereas if that wouldn't have happened, it probably would have, I probably would have kept online sort of like as a, as a secondary income, as a secondary aspect of the business and focused on one to one. Whereas that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to drive the business to online and step away from one to one. And my hand was forced in that. So without lockdown, I'd probably still be doing primarily one-to-ones. But lockdown happened and that was massively, hugely positive to drive my business in the direction that, that, it, that I wanted it to go in. And so when we can reframe that situation, it almost becomes empowering. That terrible situation which disarmed 90% of the fitness industry became one of the, the, the most empowering moments of my whole career, probably. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and it just ties back to that what you said before about everything is happening for you, not to you. Exactly. So what what what's one step that people can make to start becoming annoyingly positive and start reframing stuff? Literally asking themselves when yeah. one whenever they feel negative, angry, or a going into a place of hell i like to call it heaven or hell you're either in pain or you're in and you're only ever in one state or the other mm-hmm. um, if you're going into that hell and you're stepping out of heaven what's the positive just catching yourself and it's and it's just a, and it was a skill for me because years in the army the army is a negative place it's fueled by hate yeah. it, is, it is fueled by hate and caffeine and and lack of sleep <laughs> um we give each other shit every day. We moan about the job. We moan about the tasks that we do. We moan at each other constantly. And it just becomes a way of life if that becomes a habit. So it was hard for me to break. Um, so it was just reversing that. Mm. And you'll be crap at it when you first start. If you are someone like me who was, who was habitually just like, I can find the negative in anything. You could give me my dream house, my dream like bank accounts, my dream life, and I've had negative. It's like fucking hell, it's a lot of responsibility now, isn't it? Like, <laughs> that was me. Do you know what I mean? Like I could have the best day in the world and go, if we're not going it. <laughs> so it was a habit I had to break. Um, so it takes time, and then reframing again. It's just like this is happening for you. Mm. This situation has happened for you. So how are you going to help? How is this situation going to serve you? How is it going to help you live your life better? Mm. I think for, for anyone who's listening, who might be like, what's, I don't know how to say the, this word, but I don't know how to spell it. Vehemently disagree, is that right? Lost me there. That's, that's, that's not even in my brain. Words are not even in my brain. You've definitely said it wrong or I've just never seen it before. <laughs> it basically means anyone who like aggressively disagrees with what we've just said because there'll be people who'll be like oh that's that's fucking hippie bullshit nothing's happening it, it, everything happens for a reason like people will immediately just put the wall up at that and it's like if you want to frame frame it in a different way is like if you don't think it if you think it's happened to you it has happened to you yeah but if you think it's happened for you then it has happened for you if you can if you can 
just switch your brain and start to think, right, well, this has happened for me. This is an opportunity for me to grow. This is an opportunity for me to become better. Then you will find that opportunity and you will take it. And then it has happened for you and it hasn't happened to you. Um, what's point number three? Your last, what you've just said there, ties really nicely into the next point of taking responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. And I, let me rephrase that a little bit because I don't want you to take responsibility for everyone else's actions. That's not what we're saying. It's everything in your life happens because of you. Like it's your responsibility. So one for me, for so to give you an example for me, I, and I think a lot of coaches, any coaches listening will have done this before. When you first start, go, oh my God, that client's crap. That client hasn't done this. Oh my God, why the, why, why haven't they checked in? Why haven't they done this? Why aren't they getting results? Oh, they're so useless. I need better clients. No, that's me. me. Yeah. It happens more than once. It's me. Yeah. And I have to take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. No, but you, even if it happens once, still your responsibility. That's what it is, doesn't yeah. it? No, no, it doesn't. I, I disagree because even if that client is the most unbelievable, difficult client in the whole world and they're not checking in, they're not responding to you whatsoever, you should have done better on the sales call to make them buy into you. Yeah, okay, not, not, not necessarily that, but let's say, for example, it doesn't happen so much anymore because we've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah. But say you launch a new, pro, a new program or you get a new problem arise that you've never faced before. That's not your problem unless it happens twice. See what I mean? So if you've never ever dieted before, yeah, you don't understand calories. You mess up on day one of your diet, and then you learn why you messed oh, yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It's your fault afterwards. So you, it, that's what I mean when it happens once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, well, like, it's still your responsibility, though. Yeah, still your responsibility. No matter what, at, at, at any point. There's me yeah. not taking responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's their fault. It's always the client's fault. Never mind. <laughs> you know, a phrase that I like in this topic is even if it's not your fault, it's still your responsibility. Because I think fault and responsibility sometimes get like when people say, oh, you should take responsibility for that. People are like, it's not my fault though. It's like, oh yeah, but it's yeah. still your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still affecting you. So if you're not happy with that, it's your responsibility. Well, so my fault the gyms are shut. No, it's not. But it's your responsibility to do something about your health. Yeah, it's still your responsibility to go and do something, to, to go and still eat good, to still go and train in some fashion. Like, it's still always your responsibility. So that's a great example. It wasn't your fault that the gyms got closed, but it was still your responsibility to look after yourself. I like that. That's a very nice phrase. I like, like... Maybe it's not your fault that your family bought Mackey's. Or a takeaway. Yeah. If you're trying to get shredded, it's still your responsibility to not eat the eat the eat the shit. It's still your responsibility to go and to go and cook your own fucking meal that you can track because it's your responsibility. Yeah, I like. I mean, it reminds me of like the start of Andrew Huberman's podcast. He always says, "I'm not a doctor. I'm a professor." I'm not a doctor, so I don't prescribe things. I'm a professor, so I profess things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's your health and you're in charge of it, not me. Yeah. 
like that. Yeah, it's true. And taking responsibility for things is so empowering. I've done an email on this previously a, a couple of months back. It's like, if you're going around, and this sort of ties into the other ones, you're going around and everything's happening to you in life and you're in a bit of a bad spot and you remain in almost like a victimhood mentality and you remain believing that it's not your responsibility and that you're powerless in the situation, then you will remain powerless and you will remain exactly where you are. Whereas if you look at the situation, reframe it, understand why I'm able to control this, there's still things that I can do to move forward in this situation and you take responsibility and you actually go and act and take action. You're taking the action of you taking responsibility and, and actually moving yourself forwards is so fucking empowering. Because how shit, how shit is it? If you, if you, how shit is it to think, right, I haven't got control of what happens over my life? How sh- what a shit thought that is. Yeah. Because if you understand, if you understand you've got responsibility for everything, you still possess the power in any given situation. I don't care what it is, you still have power to make a decision, no matter what the situation is. If you're in jail, you still have power to make decisions. You still have responsibility to do certain things. You you control this in here, inside these four walls, if you want to call it that. No one can, I mean, they can, if you want to really get into it, but you control the way you think. Yeah. You decide if you agree with something or disagree with it. You decide whether you wake up on time or you stay in bed. You decide whether you give in to the peer pressure or not. Like other things influence it, of course they do, but you're, it stops with you. Yeah. Mm. Even, the most, even the most, let's think of the most extreme example in the world. Imagine someone had a gun to your head and was like, do something terrible or I'm going to shoot you in the head. Yeah. Still your responsibility to make a correct decision. Yeah. Although it's really a bad situation, not your fault. You might have to go and kill someone or you might die. Whatever decision you make, still your responsibility, so you have to live with it. But it's still, you're still the one with the power, no matter what. Do you agree? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we were speaking about this before we started recording the podcast, weren't we, about... Um, the example Di Martini given in one of his sessions about the guy who's I can't even remember who it was. It's like someone had died, like a really close relative had died, and that had sort of like threw him off track. Uh, oh no, it wasn't. It was his partner had cheated on him or something, and he was really angry about it, and it was affecting like it was when he's talking about relationships. It's his fault. Yeah, but well, well, how does that save you? And he got really angry about it, and he was like, well, "It's not my fault." Like. It's not my fault she's done this. It's not my fault, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, yeah, well, yeah. ask them again. How does this save you? Yeah. Why is this a positive? Like, yeah. how are you going to take control of this situation? Yeah. But there's, there's that aspect. But also, I would, again, vehemently argue with that man that it is his fault. It's his fault that she cheated on him. Because he wasn't delivering in the relationship. Or he was in a relationship he shouldn't have been in. Yeah, it, it, his actions led to her cheating on him. If his actions were different, she wouldn't have cheated on him. If he was a better boyfriend or a husband and he showed her more love and care and was just better in general and looked after himself potentially more and paid her more attention and all of these things and she, she felt secure and loved in that relationship, she wouldn't have cheated on him. Yeah, 
I kind of agree. I mean, it depends if their values align. Some people are with each other for wrong reasons. Yeah, well, then in that case, though, it still is his fault. Why still is, it? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's still his fault. Fucking mother. <laughs> <He's only laughs> <mother anyway>. uh, <laughs> um, ties us with, with the whole relationship thing, ties it nicely into our next point. Which is the courage to be selfish. Nice. This is, I would argue, one of the biggest, at least for the people I work with, the biggest reasons people don't ever reach their true potential, don't ever get what they say they want when they speak to me. Yeah. I know that it is. That if I don't, I know now at the moment that if I go on a discovery call with someone and someone comes to me and says, this is the problems I'm facing, this is the reason why I want to change and whatever it is. And we discover like how I can help and, and we put the plan together that if I don't get them to sign up and start with me, it's simply because me taking responsibility, I haven't been able to in that window of that discovery call, get them to understand the importance of being selfish mm-hmm. because of the people I work with because of the responsibilities they have to kids, to partners, to, to work, because of where they usually are in life. Selfishness has left the picture. Like they've got divorced from selfishness. Like they don't do things. They don't save themselves. Mm-hmm. They have people, jobs, other things higher on their values than themselves but fail to see the importance of putting themselves first Mm -hmm. in being able to save everyone else and their highest values by Mm -hmm. placing themselves first. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a a very, a very good point. If you're serving yourself, you're the best version of yourself. You serve others better naturally. But I think it's, it is, it is, and we're not saying don't be selfless because there's a a time and a place to be selfless. Of course, but also we need that balance. You need to be selfish at certain points. If you're trying to be successful, you cannot be giving all of your energy and resources to others. You need to have those boundaries. You need to be able to say, let's, let's example, you're getting treaded. You need to be able to say to people, no, I'm not doing that because I'm going to the gym. I'm not doing that because I have to prep my meals. You have to have that. And we say courage to be selfish because that takes courage. To be able to say no to people is is very hard at first. I was having this conversation with one of my one of my clients the other day. She's a people pleaser. And so she doesn't really want to go out this weekend, but she's got a couple of birthdays. And is like sort of um and on and I I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out, but then she planned to go out for an hour to see to see her friends, then she's gonna come home. But she knows for the fact that there's gonna be people there who are gonna because she, she's quite a heavy drinker normally, and people are going to be saying, oh, why aren't you staying out? They're going to be trying to peer pressure her to try and stay out, and she's going into it with already having, having had this discussion with the, the mindset that she's going to be selfish because she's going to prioritise herself first above, above the desires of others. 
everyone else is going to want her to stay out because she's fun, blah, blah, the Antina for a while, they want her to stay out. In order for her to say no, it's going to be hard. It's going to be it's going to disappoint people, which is difficult for, for her. But she knows that if she wants to be successful in this situation, she's going to have to be a little bit selfish and say, no, I'm not going out. I'm not getting smashed. I need my sleep. I need to hit my calories. I need to do these things in order for her to move forward in her life. Which usually ties to the, the fact that she's probably got low confidence. Yeah. Why she pleases other people because yeah. the confidence is low. So because we, we, we get acceptance of other people. We're, we're always, as humans, like we're, we're searching for acceptance from others. So we want to naturally go and please others, which, which is, is, is the difficult, which is a difficult thing, which is getting better at saying no, probably because her confidence is improving. It, it, it takes massive courage to say no to people. Yeah, massively, especially if your confidence is hugely low. Yeah. It's like a double-edged sword. They like fight against each other, but they also help eradicate yeah. each other. If you've got low confidence and you're trying to get better at it, you have to do things that, yeah, that might that require confidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I've got no confidence. How am I going to get more confidence? You've got to go and do things that require you to have confidence. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, I actually written, I think I've written an email or a video. I've done something on this this week. I remember talking about it. I remember saying words out loud relating to this. Um, that if this is something that you struggle with, that like if you've got low confidence, if you struggle to, to be selfish. I was actually having a conversation with our friend yesterday about this, about how if you struggle to be selfish around people that you care about around family around friends around whatever it is she's thinking of moving out and i was like fantastic because that's going to give you a space yes. to be selfish mm. because you'll get to decide where the couch goes you'll get to decide where you put the tv you'll get to decide which room is the bedroom you'll get to decide yeah. what color the curtains are and it doesn't impact anyone else's life yeah you don't feel like you're being selfish, mm -hmm. but you're also being selfish because it is all about you and it's all about your space. And she was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I can have a meditation space. I can have this. I can... And already was beginning to start thinking selfishly. Yeah. And that's not a negative thing. That's not a bad thing. People say selfish and they think, oh my God, well, that's a bad thing. And like, it's, it's not. It's not. It, it, it's it's in, in a controlled fashion. It's self-love. Yeah. You're... But it also... It's, it's like if you're in a relationship, you want to go and do things for your partner. It's like, well, yeah, you're in a relationship with yourself. It's probably arguably a more important relationship than the relationship you have with your partner. So you should do things for yourself every now and then. Yeah, but arguably, uh, it's also going to save the Them people more. that you yeah. are being selfish, selfless for, because if you're getting, like, deep down, you're starting to get a resentment for the people that you're having to, mm. to save because you can't give time for you, then those relationships are going to suffer even though you care for them and you want to put them first. Mm. So if you then start being selfish and there's more of you and you're calmer and happier and more fulfilled, mm. you're then going to pass that on to the people who you do place before yourself. Yeah, 100%. And then all avenues of your life can progress, the stuff that you're trying to progress in and your relationships. And again, just very simple thing to close that. The more selfish you are, the faster you'll progress, the more successful you'll be, full stop. What's point number five? Point number five, assertive action. You've just wow. displayed it there. <laughs>
I want to tell everyone about an amazing example of when Jack displayed to miss the match. <laughs> is Rachel there? Rachel's here doing some work in the background, yeah. Does, does she want to come onto the podcast and explain to everyone about the time Jack showed some unbelievably assertive action? You're going to come and tell the story? Which story? In London. You want about the London one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. assertive action or assertive heart attack? It's just because I'm dying for the toilet and I want someone else to tell it other than Jackson. I think he'll do it justice. Join us on the podcast. <laughs> Come speak into the microphone. That'll be fine, isn't it? Yeah, that'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. So, um, we've gone to London. Jack had gone... Um, we were down there for a business trip, actually, weren't we? But we turned yeah. it into a sort of social social thing that you can use that word um and i can't even remember what we were doing or where we were going but it was all of us wasn't it we were all yeah all four of us um and anyone who's ever been to london it was my first time but you hear about how busy it is and how many cars are on the roads and how busy the roads are and our resident assertive action taker (laughs) Crossed the road in the most unbelievable fashion I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, so there's, we were by, is it Hyde Park? I don't know, London, that was yeah, yeah. by Hyde Park. So very, very busy. I've never heard so many cars be for absolutely nothing in my entire life. And Jack just decides he doesn't want to wait. <laughs> he doesn't want to wait to cross the road. <laughs> we said that's we spoke about this last week. I haven't got time to be sick. I've got time to be waiting for traffic to decide that it wants to slow down for me. <laughs> you know, if you're the driver of the car, possibly the most outrageous thing, but Jack just decided. But then you have to wait anyway, because you have to wait for I know, all of us because to catch up. <laughs> what happened was Jack saw like a 0.1 second gap in the traffic. Yeah, he got a little jog on across... <laughs> Across the road, he fucking fired across the road, and then he did that little. You know when someone's like does a little jog for the bus, and then they pretend that they didn't just jog. Yeah, and then it transitions into a bit of a walk. He yeah. did one of them, and then power walked across the other side of the road, and then when he as soon as he got there, he just turned around and then realized that everyone else. Yeah. Still just on the other side of the road, and he was just looking at it. There was a there was a severe lack of assertiveness in the rest of the no, group. There was immediately. a severe will to live. That, no. that was what there was. Immediately, he was like, "Oh shit!" His his body language changed straight away. His shoulders went down. He sheepishly, sheepishly put his hands into his pockets and started kicking the floor. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Flash of disappointment on your face. Oh, I was so disappointed in all three years. I was like, that was the that was the most disappointed I've ever been in you, Isaac. <laughs> what? Turn this on me, lad. No, what it was, we'd had a weekend of being very assertive. Like we would talk. I wrote an email about it. We would we would talk about, it, and we would. It was an action. It was a it was a weekend of action taking, and you just got a bit carried away. So into every single aspect of life, even crossing the road. Still do. 
I'm I'm the worst person in the world to be if I need to get somewhere. Yeah. Like I'm not aggressive because there's no place for aggression for it. You're going too slow for me. There's one particular junction, isn't there? Where it, it, it is. Can you still there? Can you still hear us? The yeah. I'm quite bad there. Going a little bit mad. You're back now. Apologise for everyone listening there. Um, we're back. We yeah. I'm, 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 if I'm, if I'm, if I'm on my way to something, if I've, if I've got a, like a client in or something, like I'm not nice to be in the car with. Yeah. Actually, I am. I can chat and I'll talk, and it's not actually me. It's not my persona to be in the car, is it? I, I chat to Rachel all the time. Um, if you're on the road near me, though, yeah, you probably think I'm the worst knobhead in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm very quiet. Yeah, because I'm concentrating on driving and not crashing the car. We expected. <laughs> that's a, probably a good thing but if there's any police listening to this I always stick to the speed limits I always follow the rules of the road um, so prove me wrong prove <laughs> it up, essentially um, but yeah assertive action like all, all jokes aside is, is deadly important like although crossing the roads with such assertiveness was completely unnecessary. It is still a quality of 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 a success driven person. Being assertive in your action is is so important because you you could have you could have ideas. You can be thinking about doing stuff. You can be thinking about changing your physique. You can be thinking about doing all this stuff and and like you could be you you could want it so much, but until you actually take action and start doing things, you're never going to progress. So something that you will always see in successful people is they'll have an idea, they'll understand why they're going for it, they'll understand what it takes to actually follow through with that idea and they'll just fucking do it. They won't care about what other people are going to think. They won't care about if they're going to fail or not. They're just going to do it, no matter what. And they do it, they take action. If it goes terribly, again, they reframe the situation, they look at things in a positive yeah. way, learn from it, grow and become better next time. And they just keep taking action over and over and over again. And the more you do that, the more you overcome that fear of failure. Mm. Like fear of failure used to hold me back something terrible and now I've just done so many things that have failed. Mm. That it's just like, okay, it's a good job that failed. Like, yeah. You realise it doesn't actually fucking matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? Really, does it? Like, it's, actually, it's actually empowering. It's just like, it's like, when again, when you look at the situation as an opportunity to grow, you fail, you go, right, well, what can I learn from that? You learn, you learn more from failure than you do from success. Yeah, 100%. I, I think, like, I try, I've tried to run a group program for two years. First one fell flat on its face. One person signed up for mm-hmm. a group program. A group mm-hmm. program, <laughs> one person joined, doesn't quite work as a group program. There's only one of them. That's just one to one coaching. <laughs> At a massively reduced price. <laughs> um, tried again, failed. Called it something different. Changed the changed the structure. Failed. And the fir- when that first one failed, when I like I come up with the idea and I was like, remember it was called HQ two. Yeah, yeah. It's too much fun. Yeah. And I was absolutely made up with it. Like come up with this idea was like this is going to be the best thing ever. This is going to be the greatest group program that has ever existed in the in the in the history of group online programs 
And then one person signed up and my ego got bruised. I was like, wow, okay, maybe don't run a group program. <laughs> maybe that's not the best thing since sliced bread. Maybe we need to put a bit more work in this. Yeah. And then just carried on. It's just like, okay, fine, it's happened. Move on, reframe it. Why didn't it work? Like, mm. rather than getting butt hurt that, oh my God, why don't people are stupid for not signing up to a group program? This is dead good. Like, just look at why it's not working. Didn't market it well. Again, Didn't, taking responsibility. Taking responsibility, reframing it. And then now we're on number five or number six of 28 Days of Change. And in two days, two days, 20 people have signed up. Mm. Marketed that first one for a month and got one person to sign up. Marketed this for two days and got 20 people to, to start on it. Mm-hmm. And this isn't even the best one yet. I'm mm. still not happy with this one. I am. It's going to be fantastic. It's well better than the last one. But the stuff I haven't put in this one that I'll be putting in the next one already. Yeah. So if everyone's signed up, don't like not join now because you're waiting for the next one to come. Like definitely do this one. It'll be worth it. Um, <laughs> but the reason it's not in this one is because I need to trial how it works in this one before mm-hmm. I level it up again, um, which is what I've done with every one of them. Because um, how it runs in this one, it might not work as well as I want it to. And then there'll be no point leveling it up again for the next one. But there's a lot more in it. But again, it just comes back to just being like, yeah, just be uh, annoyingly positive about it. Mm. Reframe why it didn't work in a positive light. Yeah. Take responsibility that if people didn't sign up to my program, then that's on me. Yeah. And be selfish that, like, no, I do want to do this. Like, this is what I love to do. So I'm just going to keep hammering on on it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what anyone else says or what anyone else's group programs say. And then keep taking action. Exactly. This t- so taking action is so I've I've started doing weekly Zoom calls with all my clients, and today was the first one before we recorded this podcast. And today was about it. It actually tied in nicely to this to this last point. It was about how taking small consistent action is very very powerful. And we talk about this on on other podcasts, so I'm not going to repeat myself with that point. But what I asked everyone to do this morning. I'm going to ask you guys listening to do the same thing. I asked everyone to to find one thing that they can do in the next 24 hours that's going to make them 1% better than they are right now. One tiny, tiny, small thing. And now I'm challenging you to do exactly the same. Can you find one unbelievably small thing, it could be anything, that you don't currently already do that's going to make you better than you are right now in whatever that is, whether it's business, your relationship, your education in whatever it is that you do your physique can you do better with eating fruit can you push yourself a bit harder in the gym can you go to bed earlier can you switch the lights off an hour before you go to or half an hour before you go to sleep and shit like that can you put your phone away and in in the evening before you go to bed half an hour earlier than you normally do little tiny tiny things like that compound over uh, unbelievably long period and it's the the people who are listening to this now who are going to be assertive and actually take action and take on that challenge and become a little bit better today those are the people that will be successful and so I challenge you to do something like that within the next 24 hours and if you do and you do that and you make it consistent 
and you start to reap the rewards from that in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I want to hear from you. Yeah, I was just going to say that. If you decide to, if you decide that you want to be highly successful and you're going to take on these five habits and you decide to take action today, tell us. What is that one thing that you did after listening to this podcast? What was the assertive action you took? We want to know. One of the things could be sign up to 28 Days of Change. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that's starting in two weeks. And it's free. It's free. I'm going to pay a yeah. thing. Well, all, me. all jokes aside, like I put this on my story yesterday, you will not find anything better for free in the whole of the fitness industry. Jack has literally gone to unbelievable lengths and it's come, it's literally free. It's free. It, it, every, it's, it's potentially, you couldn't, you could not get more. We had this conversation directly and it's free. We had this conversation a couple of weeks back and this is what sparked kind of the, the, the buildup of, of 28 days of change, getting better every time. And this is why it will continually get better every time I run it. You said to me you were reading a book and it was like, think of something that is so ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. what can you give away that is so ridiculous? And then double it, something like that you said to me. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking of. So it was like... No, what it, what, what it was, and this is it's something, something that I put in as well, is like, think of something that is so ridiculous, like an offer that is so unbelievably ridiculous that people could not say, could not possibly say no, and then just tone it down a little bit. So, like, a ridiculous offer would be, I'm going to one-to-one coach you for free for the rest of your life. Yeah. Okay, we'll tone it down a little bit, like, come ahead. <laughs> down a little bit. So, we created 28 Days of Change, where you're going to work with me for four weeks for free. But... And you're going to get the tools for the rest of your life. You're going to have the tools for the rest of your life. But not only that, we've brought in a meditation coach who I'm paying for so you get it for free so I bear the brunt of that so that you can benefit from it we've got a yoga instructor who's going to come in and do weekly yoga because I can't do yoga so I want you to be able to do yoga but I can't teach you it so again I've gone and got a fantastic yoga instructor to come in and do weekly yogas with us there's going to be workshops on nutrition there's going to be workshops on mobility there's going to be workshops on your mindset to ensure that you finish the 28 days in the best way possible and i wanted this to be something that you can't you can't find it anywhere else you can't beat this there, there isn't anything there's stuff like this that you can pay for and it's like this but it's not as good and you have to pay for that <laughs> so that's why yeah. i did this so it fucking makes sense and look go and go and have a look at jack's instagram and have a little look at the 28 days have changed posts and gathered a bit more information or jump on a call with them, a discovery call and see if it's something you'd be interested in. If you have any questions for either of us and you want to know a little bit more information about how we can turn you into successful people, how we can turn you into action takers and transform your physique and your lives, then just drop us a message on Instagram at coach.comada at jack.level10life and thank you for listening. I enjoyed that that episode. Hopefully you took a lot of value from it and it's going to project you into a, a, a successful a successful couple of months. And stay tuned for the next episode when we've got some guests coming back on. We're going to start bringing some guests on to future episodes. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day.